Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. time to think about communion and remembering the Lord's Supper together after the service here as well. But we don't want to come to God's Word, um, not ready, and so let us just pray one more time and ask the Lord to quiet our hearts and to speak to us today. Father God, we thank you that we can come into your presence. We recognize that you are indeed a majestic, wonderful, awe-inspiring, loving God. We thank you that we can open up your word. And Lord, we're excited to delve into it again together today as we consider what it means to walk with you and specifically what it means to walk with you in love. Father, we ask that your spirit would really be at work in our hearts now. Give us ears to hear. Give us the attention span to stay focused on the truth. And Lord, give us lives where we apply your truth. It's always convicting when we talk about the love of God. And so I ask, Lord, that your spirit would be at work amongst us in a supernatural way today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 22... You find Jesus there with some of his closest friends as they are getting ready to have a communion meal themselves. And Jesus, we know, has been telling all his friends for so long now that he's going to go through some extensive suffering. The suffering in his life is about to get very real. This is a time where Jesus needed his friends the most to encourage him, to pray with him. But then we read in Scripture, what are the disciples talking about? They are arguing about who is the greatest and and the most important, and you could always say the most loved in the group. And yet their lack of concern for Jesus' humiliation and His impending suffering and this death that's coming His way, you know what Jesus does? He gets out a cloth and what does He do? He starts to wash their feet. Jesus shows us what real love does. He shows them the way of humility, of forgiveness, of unconditional and self-sacrificial love as He is ministering to His friends. Now before we give the disciples too hard of a time for their lack of concern towards Jesus, I think we can all recognize that we can be like that in our relationship with God and with other people. 
I mean, you might think you are a very loving person, but your definition of what it means to love might become a little fuzzy or blurry sometimes because of all the love that you have for yourself. I mean, if I had to give you a piece of paper again right now and I ask you to write down what is a definition of love, what would you write down? How would you define love? That warm, fuzzy feeling when you are to someone close that you like, the butterflies in your stomach, that desire that is maybe so strong that it must be satisfied. Maybe you think love is when I do something for someone else and it makes me feel good about myself. Surely that is love. But then when we turn to the Bible, we find clarity on our own blurry definitions of love because what we see there is that love has a definition. In fact, it has an identity, a personality and a name. 1 John 4, 7-8 helps us understand real love. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. You see, to know what love is and to love in a real way, you need to know the one who is love. Again, you might be thinking you're a loving person, but perhaps you have actually never experienced true love or shown it to someone else because you don't really know God. And what John makes clear is that only those who truly know God in their personal and intimate and by faith can love the way the Bible defines it. Because the God you walk with is the God of love. We're busy with this series, this short series, where we're focusing on our walking with God. And so far we've seen that walking with God means that God is our reality every moment of every day. That our lives then actually show that God is real. And it's a walk that is marked by faithfulness, where we walk in obedience and faith over a long period of time. It's a walk that is marked by unity, as we saw last week. Where because of what Jesus has done for us, in uniting sinful people to Himself and to one another, that we walk with this great eagerness now, this eagerness to preserve and protect this new unity that we have in Jesus. Walking in a manner worthy of this weighty gospel of Christ, a gospel that shows that we are dead in our sins and we're walking toward an eternity of suffering. And yet because of God's great love for us, Jesus comes and he, he walks the path of death for us so that we can find newness of life in Him. And walking with God means we, we walk in the, the right balance of this truth. And that's why we have to talk about this because sometimes our lives get out of balance. 
We want to have lives where we are in balance with the fact that as believers in Jesus, we belong to God and we have a new connection and relationship with Him and with other believers around us. And as we continue to think of what that means to work with God, Paul now continues in the book of Ephesians to help us see that walking with God means that we walk in love. Walk in love. That is why we need to understand what love is according to Jesus. Because as we think of the disciples who were with Jesus even in His last hours, they were in His presence for a long time, you could say, and yet they still had all this love for themselves. That they couldn't even see the needs of Jesus. And so what is helpful sometimes is to consider what love is not. As you try and figure out what biblical love is, it's helpful to slow down and consider what love is not. So before we get to Ephesians chapter 5, I want us just to pause and think for a moment what the Bible teaches us about what love is not. I think most of us are familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, right? Oh, everyone, yes, nodding their heads, the love chapter. Such a famous passage that talks about love. But if you think about the context, then we realize that Paul was writing to a church who was actually struggling to love one another. Different people, different backgrounds, different languages, all these united by Jesus who were struggling to walk in love. They had a wrong view of love and had their own definitions of love and it required that Paul had to bring some clarity. And one of the ways he does it is by helping them see what love is not. So I did, let me just read the first three verses here of 1 Corinthians 13. Just look at this again with me. Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men, and of angels, and I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. And I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all, away all I have, and even if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. See, one of the first things we notice from this passage is that there's this warning that even if you have spiritual gifts and you are serving other people, you could be using those gifts, but you could be doing it without love. I mean, it's easy to think that I'm serving in children's ministry or any other capacity here at church, and that must make me a loving person. Surely, I'm holding babies all day. That makes me a loving person. But Paul says, hang on. Realize that you can do that in a way where you are not really loving other people, but rather you are loving yourself. Because maybe you love having a, a gift that serves others, but you like the recognition. And you're not really using it because you love other people. I mean, this, think about it simply in the workplace as well. This could be true in the workplace. 
God has gifted you with certain skills and abilities and you might think you're a loving person by working hard and using those gifts. But what you're really concerned about is being needed by other people. By having other people be dependent on you. Being so productive and so successful and making all this money that being loving is not really your main concern. And so a good evaluation is to think, what are the needs around me? Anyone who wants to serve, what are the needs around me? How can I help serve to meet those needs versus I want to serve and use my gifts and my way on my terms and my conditions? Which means love is not just serving. Same is true with knowledge. Same is true with knowledge. Paul says you can have all this biblical knowledge, but without love, it's wasted. We know by itself, knowledge can make us proud and think that we're more spiritual than other people. I mean, you can sit through a whole year of systematic theology classes here at the African Bible Training Center. All these different Bible studies, gain all this knowledge, but if you don't have love, worthless means nothing. Just having a lot of Bible knowledge doesn't automatically mean you're a loving person. Paul goes on to talk about what you believe. He says you can have all this faith. All this faith. And we know that faith is fundamental to our walk with God. And it can be this kind of faith that picks up mountains and these challenges that lies in front of you and makes it disappear, makes it so small. But faith without love means nothing. We know James is going to be talking about this loudly when we get back to studying his epistle, right? James says that faith without works is dead. Because genuine faith is not just concerned about moving mountains. Genuine faith is concerned about walking with Jesus, loving Jesus, and loving like Jesus. Same is true in our giving. You can be someone that gives and gives and gives and think that makes you automatically a loving person. Again, listen to Paul. He says, if I give away all I have, everything I have, I give it all away. But I, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, I mean, dying for someone else here, but I have no love, I gain nothing. I mean, you might be giving. You might be really giving a lot. But that doesn't mean it's done out of love. You see, the church and the love that is in the church is going to grow cold when people think they're loving, but they're hiding behind their serving. They're hiding behind all their knowledge. They're hiding behind the way they give. And so that is why we want to slow down to think what it looks like to love in a way that God wants us to love. What does it look like to walk in love as we walk with God? And 
We're turning our attention now back to Ephesians. And we know last week we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, the start of chapter 4. Today we're going to look at just the first two verses of chapter 5. And so as we think about this theme of walking with God, Paul now writes in the fifth chapter and he says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. See, in these few verses, Paul is going to help us see what walking in love is really like, what walking with Jesus is like. And the rest of chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul went on to talk more and more about the unity we have in the church. He talks about everyone having all these different spiritual gifts. How these gifts are to be used and helping each other be equipped and maturing in our faith. And he says that we all have a role in the body of Christ. Every single one. And when we're working together properly, it makes the body grow. Specifically, he says in chapter 4 verse 16, so that it builds itself up in love. When the body is working together the way that it should, it builds itself up in love. See, the more we protect the, the very unity Jesus came to lay His life down for, and function according to the way God wants us to function in the church, the more we build ourselves up in this love. But then for the next several verses, in chapter 4, he talks about how we are not to walk. How we are not to walk in this life. How believers should be mindful of the way they think, uh, the, what they say, and their actions toward one another. He talks about how we should deal with the issues we have with one another in love. And then he gets to chapter 5. And now he, he wants to get into it because he's, he wants to exhort us to be walking in this love. In other words, it's walking and living your life so that your daily existence is marked by a Jesus kind of love. Living your life so that your daily existence is marked by a Jesus kind of love. And if we're going to love like Jesus loves, then we need a walk that imitates the right example of love. A walk that gives yourself up for the right reason and a walk that smells good. That's our mini outline for today. A loving walk is a walk that imitates where you give yourself up and that smells good. That's what we're going to see in our text in Ephesians 5. So firstly... To walk in love and to love like Jesus, we need a walk that imitates. We need a walk that imitates. Therefore, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. You see, in a world where people have all their own ideas and definitions of love, and in churches where people struggle to love each other the way God wants us to love one another, Paul exhorts us to become imitators of the right example. We read this earlier, but in Romans 5, Paul makes it clear that this is actually possible. 
This should be encouraging to you. This is actually possible because Paul explains that God's love has been poured into our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Right. Believer in Jesus, you need to know you can love like Jesus loves. How do I know that? Because His love has been poured into my heart through the Holy Spirit that was given to me. Paul says, we need to become imitators. Become an imitator. With all the different motivations and even sinful self-loving desires going on in our own hearts, look to imitate the best example possible of love. And specifically he says, who do we need to imitate? Become imitators of who? Of God. Become imitators of God. Let God and His example shape the way you love other people. Now the one thing we have to stop and realize is that we cannot imitate God in everything, right? We can't do that. We can't copy God's sovereignty. I can't be in two places at the same time and think I have everything under control. Only God is sovereign over everything. We can't copy His omnipotence or His, his self-sufficiency. But how encouraging that we can imitate His love. God wants His love to be known by all people. He wants our walk with Him to be marked by a genuine love. But look at the description of the one who is to imitate Him. It's kind of important. As beloved children. As beloved children. Imitate the love of God because you are loved. Imitate the love of God because you are loved. This is kind of where Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 and chapter 5 verse 1 go together. Because Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to to the purpose of His will. That is how we become the beloved. This was God's doing. He adopted us. And then here in Ephesians 1.6, the following verse after that one says, To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the beloved. We have been blessed in the beloved. So beloved, you have been blessed in the beloved. Which means God the Father has amazingly loved us in His Son Jesus. The beloved. Which means we get to share in the love the Father has for the Son. But I think you know what? One of the, one of the biggest reasons I think we struggle to walk in love is because we struggle to really believe that God really loves us like this. That we share in this love. That we are the beloved. Even when we fail others. Even when we're tempted to look at our circumstances in our lives and we compare our lives to other people and we find it hard to really, really believe God loves us like this. Our struggle with sin and our guilt causes us to doubt that God wants to love us. 
But when I know and trust and believe that I am beloved, because I share in the love of the beloved, means I can know for sure that God loves me no matter what is going on in my life. And what gives us such confidence is because God the Father is never going to stop loving God the Son. And God the Son is never going to stop loving God the Father. And we get to share in all of that perfect love. And the Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts. Beloved. Is that what you think about in the mornings when you wake up and start your day? I am beloved. I am loved by the King of the universe. In 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, Paul tries to show the church that Jesus really loves each and every believer. He says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord. Brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. You see, in all of this is happening in a context, the outer church stand firm as they wait for Jesus to come back. But not only do we need to stand firm in God's love, we need to move, church. We need to walk in love. And we need to imitate God's love, embracing the fact that we are loved by God. And nothing is ever going to stop God from loving us, even if I struggle with sin. Even if I'm not as loving as I should be. Even if I'm not as faithful as I should be. Even if I don't desire to get up and read His Word and spend time with Him. Even if I don't desire to love God the way we should. But it's in fact the very constant love of God that helps me to get up. Even when I've stumbled along the way. It is the love of God we see in Jesus that helps us to, to know His love and, and share that love. Because next Paul shows us what this love is like. Because to walk in love and to love like Jesus loves, yes, we need to be imitators of God as beloved children. But it also means we walk, secondly, by giving ourselves up unconditionally. We walk by giving ourselves up unconditionally. Paul now quickly moves to the cross of Christ to show us what exactly we are to imitate. He says, Ephesians 5 verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. If you're going to walk with Jesus and love like Jesus, then you are going to have to give yourself to others. Give of yourself to others. This is a giving of yourself for the good of other people. And if you look back at the context of Ephesians chapter 4, just the verse before this, in Ephesians 4.32, Paul says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's another way of saying, love each other unconditionally. 
And like we said last week, unconditional love is what agape love is all about. Biblical love does not have terms and conditions. Biblical love does not look at someone else to find a reason to love them. It's not about how much someone else deserves it or not. Unconditional love is looking past all of these things and still giving of yourself for the good of someone else. Because it's a love for the sake of giving and not receiving. And this kind of love is most vividly displayed in being willing to forgive someone else who does not deserve it. In other words, this is one of the, the greatest proofs of biblical love in someone's life. If you are someone that does not forgive other people, or you will only forgive them if they meet your terms and conditions, then what you might actually be revealing is that you don't have a loving heart. But the opposite is true, because the presence of forgiveness shows the presence of a Jesus kind of love. You see, when we see Jesus giving Himself up for us, in order that God the Father can forgive us, it helps us make sense of this love and how we can show love by forgiving other people. Think about it like this. Whatever another believer or someone in the church might have done against you that is sinful and hurtful, no matter how terrible or destructive that may be, when we look at the love of Jesus, we see that Christ has already paid the penalty for that very sin. The sacrifice that Christ made by giving Himself up for us was sufficient to pay that penalty. And so there might be times where you will have to give up yourself and instead of holding on to bitterness and wanting vengeance, you love the other person by forgiving them. Again, think about it in the context of marriage. You have all these romantic feelings, but those feelings change as there's differences and conflict and a lack of communication. And yet, Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 5 verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Walk in love and give, of, give up of yourself for her. Because the love a husband should have for his wife is a love that imitates Jesus' love for the church. It's a giving yourself up for her kind of love where it's a love that is based on deliberate choice and not just a romantic feeling. It's a love that chooses to love the other person without terms and conditions. A love that is real regardless of what the spouse has said or done. Because it's a love that is forgiving. Is there forgiveness in your relationships? I like how one man says it. He says, just as the depth of God's love is shown by how much He has forgiven, 
the depth of our love is shown by how much we forgive. If you struggle to forgive other people, I think it's because you struggle to understand the love of God. You struggle to understand the forgiveness you have received in Jesus. And we know Jesus, he really liked eating with people. And he was eating with this man named Simon. We know the story. And this prostitute comes in and she starts to wash his feet. But she's doing it with tears and with this expensive perfume. Simon's not happy about this. And it seems that he's even disappointed in Jesus for allowing this to happen. He doesn't think this is a very loving thing to do. And so Jesus responds by giving him something to really think about. Jesus says to Simon in Luke 7 verse 41. Let me read it for us. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, have you judged, you have judged rightly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she was, she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. I just like this picture of intimacy here. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. He did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Why, Jesus? Why? For she loved much. But he who is, who he, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. We see the direct correlation between understanding how much we have been forgiven and how we love other people. A spouse that understands how much he or she has been forgiven, how Jesus gave himself up for them because of his love for them, will become a forgiving person. And in John 13, we see the example of Jesus on the cross even more because it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour has come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own, who were in the world, He loved them to the end. I just love those words. He loved them to the end. When you are giving of yourself up for the good of other people, then it's a love that goes all the way. Because sometimes you might feel that this is too hard. It's too much. I can't do it. It's too frustrating. Giving of yourself to the end is too difficult and you just want to give up. And the reality is we all are going to fail in this, to love like this and this way. And we would all be crushed if it was not for the very love of Jesus displayed for us on the cross. Because Jesus did not give up. 
He loves us all the way, having those nails banged into His wrists. He loves us all the way, having the nails slammed into His feet. He loves us by having the injustice of man and the sin of man pierce His side. And all of that giving up of Himself was done in love for us. So when we look at the cross, we see a love that is unconditional, yes, but also a love that is sacrificial. And so if we're going to love like Jesus loves, then we must realize that if divine love led Christ to sacrifice Himself all the way for unworthy, ungrateful sinners like you and me, then how can we not give of ourselves for other people? I mean, this is loving and helping someone even if it will inconvenience your life. I mean, this might be even be a love that wants to be helpful and serve other people out of genuine love. And let's say, for example, you're serving in a team here somewhere and you can't make it to communicate and to let the other people know that you're not available, to help make a plan to cover the, the responsibilities that you have, and not just the you-can-figure-it-out-on-your-own kind of attitude. It's loving other people even if you don't get anything out of it. It's love that is willing to forgive even when it's hard. It's love that is willing to share the gospel even when it's hard. It's a love that is willing to swallow your pride and get help where you need it. Because when we love like this as a church, then man, it's going to smell good. It's going to smell good. Walking in love and loving like Jesus loves means we walk by imitating Jesus and we walk by giving up of ourselves knowing how Jesus did the same for us. Because when we walk and love like this, then it's a walk that smells good. That's number three. It's a walk that smells good. That's the end of verse 2 here. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, it's this sacrificial and fragrant, pleasing aroma to God. You see, when a sacrifice was this pleasing aroma, then it's like the Old Testament description of a sacrifice that was accepted by God. And when Jesus was dying and giving Himself up for us, it resulted in the most acceptable sacrifice ever. And it gave this, this perfume, this aroma of grace and glory and love. The cross shows us specifically that Jesus gave Himself up for us and that it was an offering to God. And when we love other people in an unconditional and a sacrificial way, then it's like a similar pleasing offering to God that smells really, really good. The smell of grace and glory and love. 
But then when you do things for other people and it's just a self-love that is masquerading as a love for other people, then eventually you know what's going to happen? It's going to start to smell. And it's going to smell bad. This holiday down in the Eastern Cape again, we caught some fish for bait. And we kept the, the small fishes that we caught in a bucket of water, but when... We were planning to go out the next day to go fishing, but the weather wasn't great, so we couldn't go. And guess what? By day three, these little fishes made a very big smell. Three little fishes made this massive big smell. And the same is true when you're trying to love other people, but you're actually just trying to love yourself. The smallest act of kindness can have this big stench. If it's not genuine love. But then how do I know if my love actually stinks? How do I know if my love actually smells? Because sometimes we can all be sweaty and smelly. We don't notice it. But the people around us do. And you might not want people to tell you that you're smelly. Because people are so polite and so nice. But you know what they start doing? They start avoiding you. Walking circles around you. So let me just give you a few ways you can check yourself. Firstly, I know I love myself rather than others when I just want what is best for me. When I do it because it will benefit me. When I get upset at others when I don't get what I want. When I'm willing to disobey and sin to get what I want. When I'm not willing to forgive others. When I'm willing to sacrifice my comforts for an even greater comfort, yet I ignore the needs of others. When I'm more concerned about pleasing man than I'm about pleasing God. When I don't want to do what God has called me to do. And there's biblical examples for every one of those. But then comes Jesus. And Jesus comes and He says, Take my hand. I want to show you another way. Let me show you another way. Walk with me. Let me show you my love. Let me show you my love. Let it control you. Because when it does, your life of genuine love and sacrifice is going to be this pleasing smell of the love of God to those around you. Instead of following the example of the world who is telling you what to love and how to love, Jude comes along and he says, in the last time there will be scoffers. Following their own godly, godly, ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, here it is again, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, verse 21, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. God wants us to keep walking with Him in love, embracing His love, so that the blessing we experience because of that love will help us to hold on to Him and to Jesus until He comes back. Unity in the church is going to flourish when we keep ourselves in the love of God. 
Unity is going to flourish in our marriages when we keep ourselves in the love of God. Raising God-fearing children is going to happen if we keep ourselves in the love of God. A love where we seek to support one another, not because of what we get out of it, but because of the glory it gives to God. Maybe think of the church in Philippi. Again, not a wealthy church, and yet they gave sacrificial gifts toward Paul, and because it came from a heart of genuine love, it had a really good smell to it. Philippians 4.18. Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. The way we give to the church, the way we help one another, when it's done with real biblical love, a giving up of yourself kind of love, unconditional, sacrificial love, is going to smell really, really good to God. But it would be so sad, church. It would be so sad if we are serving and serving and giving and giving and doing all these things this year in church and it ends up with a stench. That's why we constantly need to look back at Jesus and His example to us. Now one person who did this, and I want to close with, with this story, was a lady named... Amy Carmichael. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard of her before. She was a missionary to India. A missionary to India. And most of her time was spent caring for children who were abandoned, abused, and, and even used for prostitution and, and terrible things like that. She had this ministry and she ended up helping thousands of children. Before she died, she asked that, no one, please, no one put a stone over her grave. But the kids, you know what? They loved her too much. So what they did is they decided to put a, a bird bath on her grave. A bird bath. And, and on, the inscription on the bird bath was the words Ama. And it means mother. This was a lady who lived out the love of Jesus. This was a lady who believed the words of Paul in Romans 8, verse 38, that says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, no powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that truth impacted her life in such a significant way that she had this own saying, sort of this own mantra that she lived by every single day. And this is what she said. Listen to this. One can give without loving, but one cannot love without giving. One can give without loving, but one cannot love without giving. She gave of herself for the good of others because she knew the love of Christ that was given for her. 
May we as a church follow her example. May we follow that example in our homes, in our relationships, in our work, in our studies, in our church this year. May we follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we walk in love, unconditional, sacrificial, sweet-smelling love. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Even though we're so unlovable. Thank you because of Jesus, we are now the beloved. That we get to share in the love the Father has for the Son through the power of the Spirit. Father, thank you that we can look at Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. Showing us that what love truly is like. A giving up of yourself. Not expecting anything in return. Father, I pray that this church, our church, Living Hope Church, would be a church that understands the magnitude of how much we have been forgiven. So that if there's any relationships we have with anyone, Lord, that we, we harbor this resentment and this, this, this unsettled spirit of conflict. That we would be reminded of the love of Christ for us. Father, I pray that we would walk with you every day, recognizing that even in our failings, even in our failings when it comes to purity and prayer and, 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 and holiness, Lord, that you are faithful, that you still love us. And I pray, Lord, that this love would really control us. May the things we do this year, the serving, the giving, the studying, the building up of our faith as we work together, Lord, be done in love. Genuine, biblical love. So it might be the sweet-smelling sacrifice in this fragrant offering to you. Thank you, Jesus, that your cross and what you did is the ultimate sacrifice. And that smell never goes away. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.